Well, thanks for being here. I, uh, my name is Chris Erickson. I'm the East Location Pastor of our Fountain Springs. And uh, wherever you are watching this or listening to this, uh, I just want to say, again, thanks for being here as we walk through uh, the joyride through Philippians. The last two weeks, we've gone through chapter 1, and pastors Chris and Steve did an awesome job of, of just kind of taking us through how we find joy in things like loneliness and discomfort and suffering. And if you didn't get a chance to uh, watch those or hear them, I absolutely encourage you to go check them out. They're definitely worth it. Uh, and today we are going to continue on with chapter 2 of Philippians. And uh, I don't have any hard data for this, but I would argue that uh, chapter 2 is the most quoted book in the Bible currently. I mean, you see stuff from chapter 2 of Philippians everywhere. You see it on billboards, uh, you see it on tattoos, bumper stickers, I've seen it in vision statements. Uh, it's all over the place on social media. Uh, there is a lot of content within this chapter that, that we can really dive into. So I didn't want to take up a lot of time. I actually just wanted to hop right into it. Uh, and so let's just start. If you have your Bible with you or just follow along right here, let's start with verse 1 of chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Uh, just a quick uh, snapshot of that. Uh, what Paul is telling the Philippians is, hey, if you care at all about what, about what God has done in your life, uh, then you are going to work towards unity with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so just a quick synopsis of that one. But let's go on to uh, verse 3. Um, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. Again, real simple. Uh, think of other people. Don't just think of yourself. Don't be so self-centered. Be other people-centered. Uh, but let's, let's go on with uh, 5 through 11. Uh, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, just kind of a cool little tidbit about uh, verses 5 through 11. They actually think that Paul was reciting an old hymn they used to sing. Uh, you know how like we just sang a bunch of hymns because people just are always writing new worship songs. Well, back then they were doing the same thing, and that's actually where that piece came from. Uh, but what it's saying is Jesus was, is, and will always be God. But he gave that up for us so that we can have a relationship with God. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of meat to digest in those first 11 verses of this chapter, but I think uh, what happens when most people read something that big is we tend to gravitate towards like one word or one concept, and I would guess that most of us cling to this phrase right here, be humble. You know, that is a Christian virtue uh, that we all strive for, and in fact, it's not even a, just a Christian virtue. Uh, everyone attempts humility in their life. It's one of those sought-after, uh, you know, character traits that we all desire. Um, but that's not how it was when Paul was writing this. In fact, humility was a four-letter word 
uh, in Roman times at that point. There was actually a book that came out in the 6th century B.C., that uh, was just detailing all these different character traits or, or virtues that you should go after if you want to have a good ethical life back in that time. And uh, honor and reputation were at the very top of that. Humility was nowhere to be found because that just, it was despised. It was hated back then. Everyone wanted to be recognized, to be praised by your, your name and your accomplishments, and so that's what they would go for. Everyone wanted to have this high honor, this, this high reputation. That's what mattered, and so when Paul was writing this, people were hearing it, thinking it, saying, like, wait, what? Like, what you're asking us to do is to debase ourselves, which, why would we do that? Like, that's not how culture tells us to act, and so it was just crazy for them to hear a word like humility and be told, hey, that's how you should act. Uh, today, we're kind of in the same boat. Uh, you know, humility is something we strive for, but, but none of us really want to practice it that much, uh, but yet we're told, okay, if, if that's where we find joy in life, well, then I'm, I'm going to be humble, and so we do all these things to, to try and become humble, and, and uh, I, I think most of us kind of grasp the, uh, what it means to practice humility, and, and I've kind of boiled it down into, like, there's two different things we practice with humility. And the first is to, to think low of yourself. You know, you're, you're supposed to, to believe that people are better than you, that you're nothing special, you know, you're just kind of a speck in the universe. Like, that's, that's how you're supposed to view yourself, and you're supposed to focus on other people, um, therefore kind of neglecting yourself. If you want to be humble, then you'll put other people first all the time and, and focus more on them. Well, I think we've kind of veered off uh, on what humility actually means and what Paul was talking about to the Philippians, and uh, it's kind of changed our view of things. See, I think nowadays we practice this, uh, distorted humility. This idea that, well, that person matters more than me, and that's what I'm supposed to think, uh, but then if they matter more than me, then that means I don't matter as much. And it kind of changes how we interpret what, what Paul was telling us in verse three and four. And I think now we actually kind of read it like this. Uh, don't be selfish, don't try and impress others, be humble. You do not matter as much as others, so, so focus on them. You know, and, and we wanna be good Christians, we wanna be good people, and so we decide, okay, well, I'm going to put other people first, I'm, I'm gonna view myself as less than, I'm gonna view them as more, and as much as it kind of hurts, I'm. I'm going to just say I don't matter as much as that person, and, and that's how we try and practice humility. You know, I, I used to go to uh, Thanksgiving every single year with my sister's in-laws, and every year the same guy would make the turkey, and it was, it was phenomenal. He'd spend, you know, all weekend making this thing, and it was, it was smoked, and it was so good, and before we could say anything about how good this thing was, he's tearing it apart. Uh, telling us it's, it's dry or it's undercooked, it's overcooked, there's not enough flavor, all of these things, and by the end of it, he's apologizing for ruining Thanksgiving. And I remember being told and thinking, like, oh, that's just, that's just being humble. That's humility because he doesn't want to take all that recognition and praise. Well, that's not, that's not humility. Uh, in fact, that's something completely different. Uh, that's, that's what we would call self-deprecation which is the voluntary denial of oneself from possessing, using, consuming, or enjoying something desired. Now, now hear me, I'm, I'm not saying that sometimes voluntarily denying yourself is a bad thing, because uh, in the Bible we, we hear of fasting where God asks us to give something up that we desire. Sometimes it's a very good thing, but what is happening is we are, we are denying ourselves some of the most basic human needs there is. 
William James, uh, an author, says it best when he says this, the deepest hunger in human beings is the desire to be appreciated. I think it's pretty interchangeable that you could say the deepest hunger in human beings is the desire to matter. We all want to matter. We all want to mean something to somebody, but being humble means, well, we can't. We have to be less than them. We have to think they matter more, and so uh, when I look at them, well, I don't matter as much, and honestly, that kind of hurts, and before we know it, we, we don't even realize what we're doing, but we're devaluing ourselves. We're ruining our own self-worth and self-value, and we're starting to look at people wondering, well, why don't you think that I mean anything? Why don't I matter as much as you do? And we start forming these rivalries and these competitions with people because we're, we're tired of feeling like we don't matter. We're tired of losing our value voluntarily. You know, my wife and I are both uh, pretty big introverts. Uh, she's a, a lot more than I am, but we've realized in our marriage that we, we both need a solid day uh, just n- to not talk to anybody, like even ourselves. And uh, so it typically works out where during the week, one of us will have a day off while the other one's working, and so we've set it up to where uh, the person who's working will just do everything that needs to be done to give that person a day off. So if my wife is off that day, I'll make sure I'll take our daughter Zoe to daycare, I'll go run the errands, I'll do groceries, whatever needs to be done to make sure my wife can have that time because she means a lot to me, her time means a lot to me, and so I want to give her that time. Uh, now when it comes to my day off, I want to be a good and humble husband, and so I'll, I'll sacrifice that time. And I think, no, it's okay, like, listen, like, my time doesn't matter as much, and so if I need to go take, uh, you know, Zoe somewhere, or if I need to go do groceries, or that's no problem, like, I can do that, I'll sacrifice myself. I'm just, I'm being humble, and I'm putting her needs first, but at the same time, I'm starting to look at her as, think, well, well, she matters more than me, and I don't matter that much, and Man, now I feel like she doesn't think I matter that much, and I want to matter, so why does my time not matter? And pretty soon, I have all this resentment built up because, because I don't matter, and I really want to, and I desire that. You know, the other day, that just actually blew up at us. Uh, it was my day off, and, and she had Zoe at a, at a doctor's appointment, and the doctor was running late, and Abby was going to be late for work, and so she called me and was like, hey, I need you to get here and, and take over. And I yell at her, I was like, why does my time not matter? This isn't fair that I do everything for you and you don't do anything for me and now I'm just stuck having this continually sacrifice and I wish that my time meant something to you. And she had no idea where that came from. That spent all this time picking her, sacrificing myself, which is what we're supposed to do because humility says that we're supposed to believe that they are better, that they matter more, but what we're doing is telling ourselves that we don't matter as much and we're starting to get really sick of it because we desire that. We want to matter. We want to mean something. And so now I feel like we've hit this, this breaking point in our life where I'm tired of picking that person first. I'm going to pick me for a little while. I'm going to choose the things I want to do. I'm going to become the main priority. And so we've become very self-centered in how we act, in the things we do. And, and I would actually argue that that this distorted humility has contributed to the current me culture that we're in. You know, we've, we've lost our value. In an attempt to find joy, we've diminished our own value by thinking somebody else matters more than us and we don't matter as much and we don't like that anymore, so now I'm gonna try and get my value back. And I know there's some people that hear that and think, no, you know what, I don't, I don't ever do anything for myself. I sacrifice all the time, I serve all the time. Well, what I find so interesting is that today, more than ever before, 
we are serving, we are sacrificing, we are giving to, to organizations, and, and we're standing up for causes. We are doing so much that looks very selfless. But distorted humility, humility has really skewed our motivation for, for even doing selfless things. Uh, there's this concept that has been developed recently, and, and it's called the, the myth of heroic sacrifice. And what this entails is, is somebody is going to sacrifice because that's what heroes do. And heroes matter, and I really want to matter, and so I'm going to do this thing in hopes of getting recognized. So I'm going to go serve, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give up my time, I'm going to do all this stuff, and I really hope people see me doing this because I want to mean something. And if you ever want proof of that, you can just go check out Facebook, social media, see all over the place how people are talking about the good things they are doing. And, and I'm, not, I'm not knocking social media. Uh, well, yeah, I am, actually. Because, listen, it's just become this giant platform for us to promote our selfless acts. And, and even our, our attempts to do good things have been so skewed, our motivations, because we're so tired of not mattering. We want to matter, and so we, we do all this selfless stuff and attempt to get joy, to get value, that we matter. The problem is all of this, it's not working. There is no joy right now. Uh, they did this study over the last few years, and in 2018, it finally came out. And, and what it talked about was the rise of depression within our society. And in 2013 alone, depression rose 47%. 47%, that's insane that it's risen that much, but then it's continued to rise every single year. Uh, they also said in 2018, one in eight people were on some sort of uh, medication for some sort of, of antidepressant, uh, some sort of uh, social personality disorder, something, uh, stress, anxiety, uh, bipolar, depression, uh, but they've even linked all of these, psychologists have linked all of these uh, to self-centeredness being one of the main root causes for that. And, and I, I, don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm saying if you are struggling with depression or if you're on medication for that, that you're just being self-centered and that you should get off of that medication. I'm absolutely not saying that. What I am saying is distorted humility has robbed us of our joy. We had these great intentions to be like Jesus, to be humble, and so we wanted to pick other people first. We wanted them to matter more, but what we did was we devalued ourselves by saying, well, they matter more than me, so I don't, I don't matter as much. And we just got into this vicious cycle where now we're just constantly trying to get our value back, to get some sort of joy, and it doesn't seem to be working. And on top of all that, the Bible still tells us we, need, we should be humble, and it also explains how through humility we will find joy. And to be honest with you, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. I don't understand how doing some of the things Jesus did is supposed to lead us to joy. I mean, look at, just read the example that he gave us. This is this is the attitude we're supposed to have. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That does not spark joy in my life. I mean, none of that. I, I, I don't understand 
how we read this and we're like, okay, so I'll be humble just like that and then I'll be happy. That, uh, how? How does that make sense? You know, the thing, that, the thing that gets me the most out of this is that cross. Uh, you know, I said earlier that, that in Roman times, humility was despised and it was hated so much uh, that they actually uh, would do whatever they can and they would scheme to try and humiliate their enemies because it was just the worst thing you could do to somebody. So they created this, this device to torture and kill people and it was meant to crush them I mean, physically, spiritually, emotionally, crush people. See, what they would do is they would take somebody and they would, they would hang them up on this giant wooden cross, put nails in between their wrists and on their feet and they would just leave them there. You couldn't really breathe, you certainly couldn't get down, you couldn't fight and you just had to slowly die. That was it. If you've ever seen a, a movie or a documentary about Rome or, or any culture in that time, everyone fought for an honorable death. You hear that all the time, I want an honorable death. There's no honor in hanging on this wooden cross. And Jesus did it willingly. You know, they, they did that to him because they saw that he was gathering a lot of momentum and people were starting to follow him and they knew that crucifying him on a cross would be so humiliating that people would quit following him right then and there. That's what that was meant to do. And he did it, he did it with joy? Like, I, how are we supposed to follow that? You know, I've been going through some of these letters that Paul wrote and, and just trying to figure out, okay, how, how, how are we supposed to understand humility? Is there something we missed that, that Jesus obviously knew that we didn't? And, and I started realizing as I would read some of these letters or, or even read about Jesus, I would always focus on what they were telling us to do. You know, what Paul would tell us to do, what Jesus would tell us to do. I wasn't focusing a whole lot about, you know, what Jesus would say about himself, because I started noticing, well, Jesus never actually uh, uh, looked down upon himself. He never said anything about how he doesn't matter. He never called himself low or nothing or just a speck in the universe. He never, he never said anything like that. In fact, look at some of the stuff he, he did say about himself. Uh, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So basically what he's saying is if you've seen me, you've seen God. That doesn't sound very humble. Not according to what we view as humility. Or, or this one right here. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Again, he's saying, listen, all of this, all of this, it's mine. I've been given all authority here and above. Again, not a very humble thing to say. But that's what Jesus would say about himself. You know, I, I think the key that we're missing when we look at the life of Jesus is, I think he knew better than anyone, better than anyone, uh, his identity, who he was. Uh, and I think that's, that's one of the keys when it comes to understanding humility. You know, there's this, this great definition that I found uh, that I wanted to share, and I even thought it was funny when I was reading this article that the definition came from. It was explaining how to apply this definition of humility through this distorted humility lens, but I, still, I just wanted to share it because I thought it was so great, and that's this humility is an honest appraisal of oneself. See, I think that, that Jesus had an incredible and honest appraisal of himself. 
I think when he would look in the mirror, he would look at himself and he would say, I am the son of the most high God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of everything. That's who I am. Him and I are one. That was his appraisal. That was the appraisal God gave him. See, I, I think finding joy in humility actually becomes really simple when we understand what humility really is. And see, I, I think it begins this way. I, I think it begins appraising yourself and others the way God does. Not the way, not the way we do or others do or the way society does, but appraising you and I the way God appraises us. Uh, and he gives us a lot of that. And, and I, I wanted to share that, but I honestly, it's, I didn't even want it to come from me because it's his words, and his words have a little more weight than mine. So I just, I just want you to take a moment and just soak in God's appraisal of you. You know, I'm sure there's some of you who are probably sitting here thinking, well, that's, that's not me. I've made too many mistakes. Uh, or honestly, I've never, I've never felt like that. I've never felt like God views me that way. I've never felt like people view me that way. Well, if, if you don't believe what he says, then believe what he does. Because an honest appraisal of you and I produced action from God. In Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. You matter so, so, so much that he picked you. That's your honest appraisal. That's who you are. That's how God views you. Not as not as some speck, not as some, some low life or some nobody. You mean the world and then some to God. That's, that's true humility. 
understanding that appraisal of yourself. And, and when you start to own that, it starts to change the way you interpret what, what Paul was telling the Philippians and what we're being told now. Uh, it sounds a lot more like this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. You mean the world to God. Treat others like they mean the world to you. You know, there's really nothing, there's really nothing on this earth that will bring you more joy than knowing how God views you. You know, I think, I think Jesus came down and was able to do everything he did because he didn't need to fight for approval or fight for honor, reputation. He didn't need to fight uh, to have value, to, to show people that he meant something. He knew exactly what he meant. And there was nothing, nothing on this earth that we could do to, to take that away or to build it up because that came from God. It was God's honest appraisal of him and nothing was changing that and I'm sure there was nothing that brought Jesus more joy. There's so much joy in understanding how God views us. And I, I think it allows, it allows us to change what motivates us also. Because um, yeah, I think there's a pretty easy way to gauge how well we understand humility. I would say our motivation to serve reveals our understanding of humility. Uh, let me explain. I have one more, one more story I wanted to share with you, and it comes from uh, John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and returned to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Again, a real easy snapshot. Jesus knew that he meant the world to his Father. Jesus knew that his disciples meant the world to his Father. So Jesus was going to show them that they meant the world to him. You know, I, uh, I haven't always been a pastor. And it doesn't matter if I'm a pastor, if I'm back selling cars, or really doing anything. There is there's never been more joyful of a time in my life than when I've gotten to show somebody how much they matter. To be able to look someone in the eyes and say, you mean the world to God. That's the best feeling in the world. And we don't have to do it to get recognition. We don't have to do it uh, so people see that we matter. We do it because we want people to know they matter. When you drove in here, uh, you probably had someone help you park a car. You had a door open for you, you had someone say hi, help you find a seat, got your coffee. If you have kids here, they help check them in. We want you to know you matter. And, and they're not doing that. We have, we have tons of volunteers that range from, from owners of companies and CEOs to police officers, airmen, mothers, fathers, all, all across all the whole spectrum coming together because there is so much joy in making each and every one of you feel like you matter to help you see how important you are to God. You know, Jesus had no problem washing his disciples' feet because he didn't need to worry about his reputation. He knew who, who, who he was. All that mattered to him was making sure we knew who we were. And now our job is to make sure people know who they are. 
to make sure how much they matter. So I just have, have two real simple questions for you as we wrap up. First is, do you believe God's honest appraisal of yourself? If not, then we should have a conversation. And I'm okay talking to you about that. I have no problem taking time out of my day, and I know there's a lot of people here that do the same because you mean that much. We want you to know how much you matter. And if you do, if you do believe that, then the second question is, do you believe God's honest appraisal of others? And if you do, what are you doing about it? What's your motivation to serve right now? You know, there is so much joy and humility. And it all starts with knowing you mean the world to God. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, it's, it's tough to look at ourselves and, and comprehend how much we mean to you. It, it honestly doesn't make sense. None of us have earned it. Uh, none of us have worked enough towards it. Sometimes we flat out go against it, but for some reason, we mean the world to you. So much so that you were willing to send your son down here. You chose us over Jesus, and he was willingly willingly ready to volunteer because he wanted us to know how badly we were loved, how important we were. Lord, there are people that are listening to this right now that have never felt like they mattered, so I, I pray right now that your spirit is just wrecking them. Help us see how much we matter. Help us see that we mean the world to you so we can show that to other people. Thank you for filling our life with joy. Thank you for tasking us with the, with the job of showing people they matter. Thank you for giving us joy and humility. It's in your name we pray.